We're deep in the pre-show, I guess. That's where we are right now. We're living in it. Hey. There's something I really wanted to bring up in the pre-show. Oh, please. Please yeah. do, please. Okay, so, obviously, uh, just the other day, I was what, uh, listening to the content cut uh-huh. of the last episode, uh-huh. and then I had to go to work. It meant that I was walking around in Claremont Quarter just thinking about tripling. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Oh, Am I going to have to beat right. this out again, T? And basically, it occurred to me, tripling is about three things, and there uh-huh. are three party members. And I was like, guys, which one of us is which? No. Like, which one of us uh-huh. is the sh- no! I'm not doing it again. This is a tale of a strange and dangerous world. A world known as Carthus. This is an adventure full of magic, hardship, and ale. This is a tale about a world at war, and the people who are forced to endure it. From the wounds of battle come three unlikely partners, trying to make sense of something much larger than themselves. But, more than any of that, this is a story about how to win loot and influence dragons. Welcome back to How to Win Loot and Influence Dragons. I'm, as always, your Sunday morning dandy, Ben McAllister. I am your laundry man, Jackson Newsom. <laughs> I am your brunch-stuffed Thomas Owen. And I am your uh, dice master, Grace Chaffer. Grace brought her dice today! For the first, is this like probably the third, the third time you've remembered your dice? I think maybe the second. Hey guys, let's all roll our dice at the same time. Yeah. That'll be fun. Like a fun little game for us all. Okay, Yay. ready? Alright, Jacko, I'm going to count down 3, 2, 1, and then we're all going to roll. So get ready. Okay. okay. <laughs> 3, 2, 1. Oh, what horrifying audio. Yeah, hey, what did you guys get on your D20s? I didn't roll D20s. I got a 10. I got a 10 as well! Jackson, what did you get? Oh, I got a one. Oh, no. Oh, this I got kicked one. out of the party. Is this the episode that Jody dies? That's <laughs> <laughs> actually I, what that role was for. Yeah, I, I hope anyone coming in from just having listened to the recap that went up alongside this episode is prepared for this to be the level of discourse that takes place on this podcast. <laughs> we really just roll D20s and then compare the numbers that are on them. That's kind of yeah, it. Yeah, sometimes there are funny numbers on them. <laughs> yeah, like when you roll a six on one D20 and a nine on the yeah, other. Yeah, and a four on one and a twenty on the other yeah. check my tweet out if you want to see the time that happened yeah <laughs> that's pretty much it though hey are, are they the two numbers like are there, any, are there any other funny ones yeah that's true like so like obviously 69 is the sex number but like obviously are there yeah are there any other funny numbers well there is um what was it 80,000 oh boobies oh. <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Eighty thousand and eighty-five. Yeah, or well, what's the one where it's like eight million eight thousand one hundred and thirty-five boobies? That's maybe funnier. You I can do. You can do uh, hello if you put it upside down with a four zero seven seven three four. Oh, dude, nice. <laughs> All right. Unfortunately, nice. you can't roll zeros. Are these funny numbers or like funny calculator tricks? <laughs> I mean both, dude. Funny yeah, admittedly, boobies looks a little bit less like boobies when they're eights and not these weird square eight B hybrids that you get on <laughs> the calculator. That's true. Hey, funny calculator tricks is actually the title of my forthcoming PhD thesis. And it's companion podcast. Yeah, exactly. Alright, enough about this bullshit. Should we get on with a bit of a recap? Yeah. When we last left our heroes, they were en route to Forest's Edge after having teleported back into the Material Plane and having learned their location after a consultation with a farmer named Mel. Back in the Ashwood, the party were making their way north to Forest's Edge when they were ambushed by a group of the King's soldiers, who they quickly dispatched before taking a hostage and engaging in one of their classic, ill-fated interrogations. The group finally made it to Forest's Edge and delivered Hasselback's letter to his cousin, even if it was a little later than expected. Kipfler explained that he ran an ale shipping and distribution network, and that he could arrange for the party to travel in secret to Carthus by hiding in one of his ale wagons. The party agreed, and Kipfler informed them that they'd be sharing the trip with another passenger, a deserter from the war named Marcus, wearing a brooch bearing the insignia of Duncan's old military unit. That brings us to right now.
And yeah, there you go. You're standing in that basement. Um, if it's all right with you guys, I actually want to jump ahead a little bit. Uh, I don't know if we can, because I have to stab this man straight away. You have to stab him? Okay, <laughs> all right. Well, let's... I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Okay, all right, cool. What I want to jump ahead to is... I can like, play it cool. I'll, I'll, quickly, I'll quickly run through it. Uh, basically, what happens is Kipler is like, you're all here, this shipment is scheduled to leave, so like, let's get moving. And he takes you through sort of the back door of the inn upstairs towards his loading dock out back, where there's this big sort of wagon that's being loaded up with different barrels of ale. And you meet the driver, who is a halfling woman named Trinda. She proceeds to ask you to help her load up all these different barrels. And you, you're, you're pushing all these different ale barrels into the back of this wagon. And you see inside, it's like a reasonably big space. It's a reasonably long wagon. It can probably fit like 20 barrels of ale or something like that. And there's a false back on the back of the wagon that has like a little space behind it where you guys can hang out and that's kind of like in a little air gap between the back sort of cargo compartment and the sort of cab like the front compartment where the driver sits so you're loading up these barrels of ale they like show you that that's where you're going to be hiding out this probably takes i don't know maybe an hour of you guys getting yourself sorted getting ready and then before you know it you're actually on the road the four of you the three of you and marcus in the back of this wagon getting ready to leave forest's edge is T in a, I mean Duncan, in an empty barrel? He can be if he wants to be. Do you think Duncan's <laughs> hanging out in an empty barrel? Just by myself? Yeah, just, you know. That's what you wanted. What, would you, want, would you prefer company in the empty barrel? There's not going to be much room. <laughs> would, you, would you prefer like a half full barrel or something like that? Like, oh, so you can Slide. drink your way out? Oh, yes. Drink your way out. Well, I put a little hole in the top for you. So so you can speak hear. through it. You can be like, hello, it's me, Duncan. I'm drinking my way out. Now I'm a cockney. <laughs> I've never even remotely said a cockney. That's what Tim Cunnelly sounds like. Yeah. Isn't he? He's cockney. Right? Well, I guess we could just make him Cockney now, because anyone, anyone coming in off yeah. the recap, it'll Wouldn't seem have a clue. I haven't spoken to my Duncan voice yet. Yeah. I can really fake him out. Yeah, if you want any radical character changes, now is the time to do it. <laughs> I think Duncan should speak like this from now on. And so yeah, you guys are in this back compartment. Do any of you want to do anything right away, or shall I proceed with you guys exiting Forest's Edge? So, Marcus is a half-elf. He is. Can I do an investigation check for handsomeness? Okay, go ahead. Give me an investigation check. Oh. (laughs) It's a what, two. Okay, um, you have no idea. He's a black hole to you. (laughs) You look at his face and you just like, now I'm going to say you're puzzled. You're just sitting there trying to decide if he's handsome or not. I definitely don't speak to him then. (laughs) (laughs) I'm very perplexed. Okay, fair enough. So I'm going to say that you guys have been informed that, like, you're not going to spend this entire roughly four-day journey in this small little compartment. It's only going to be when you're, like, heading in or out of sort of more populated areas. Other than that, you can just hang out in the back of the wagon. But because you guys are about to leave, heading west out of Forest's Edge, you're about to go through that, like, guard blockade. The four of you are there, waiting, as you hear the cart sort of slowly trundle to a stop. And you can hear some muffled voices outside. It sounds like the guard and Trinda exchanging some words. When you hear the sort of wood panel door on the back of the wagon swing open on its hinges from behind your false door and you hear Trinda's voice say uh the expert export paperwork seems to be all here and uh you hear some bottles clank as a crate is picked up and handed to another person you can't see who responds and says thanks Trinda your paperwork is always just right and then you hear like you hear like a cork pop out of a bottle and uh, you hear some metallic armor and bottles clanking as uh, this guard walks away. Trinda kind of chuckles to herself, closes the door, and then after a few more moments you hear the cart trundling away again, moving away from this guard outpost. Trinda trundles? Yeah, Trinda trundles the cart forward away it. from the guards, having successfully bribed <laughs> them with a, a crate of ales. Wait, and, hang uh, on. W- was, was Duncan in that crate? Yeah, Duncan was in the crate, dude. He's yeah. in one of the oh, bottles. No. I, no, I'm in the dude now. I'm magic school bossing that shit. That was actually uh, <laughs> a, a lady guard. You, sh- you shouldn't make assumptions. And, uh, oh, I mean, I just heard the voice you put on. I thought it was a dude. Yeah, well, you know what? Maybe that's because I don't have a female voice. And <laughs> I don't like to do ridiculous, silly, raspy voices for my female characters. So they're all just various iterations of me. <laughs> well, She's just a long, lanced lady. Okay, here's, here's my vision for this session for you guys. The way I see it, you've got like four days of travel, and I've got some things mapped out at, at sort of different location. If you guys have other things you want to be doing to fill <laughs> your days with, that is entirely up to you. But the very first thing that's going to happen, seeing as you guys have now successfully left the Ashwood for real this time, heading to Carthus City, you level up! 
Even more now. Yeah. Should we do hit die rolls? Uh, oh, yeah. Yes, please. Hey, Jody, what are you a D8? Yeah, I'm a D8. Ooh, I'm gonna take yours. Seven, buddy. Oh, I had a three. Yeah, nice. That's a big upgrade for you. Okay, Grace, so you're a D6, right? Yep. All right, go on. I'll take yours. I got a four. I got a three. Oh, no, nice. <laughs> and do can D10? Yeah. I'll take yours. Six. Oh, I got a five. <laughs> <laughs> everyone's wow. fucking, everyone's getting upgraded today. Well done. So guys, I don't want to make anyone too excited, but can you guess what my hit point maximum is now? 69? Yeah! <laughs> That's the sex number! <laughs> oh my god, I just got the feature I need for this moment. Go on. I've never seen a feature and thought any more substantially, wow, that's pretty shit for something you get at level 7, as the fighter one. Starting at 7th level, if you spend at least one minute observing or interacting with another creature outside combat, you can learn certain information about its capabilities compared to your own. Oh. Which basically means, BMAC, you better have a fucking character sheet done up for Marcus, because yeah, I'm no, about to... Yeah, no worries, let me just... <laughs> pull that one out of my, my fucking bag here. Because I'm about to spend four days getting his strength score, his dexterity score, his constitution score, his armor class, his current hit points, his total class levels, if any, and his fighter class level. But maybe only Ooh. how they compare to me. Equal, superior, or inferior. We'll, we'll get there when we get there. I've got his character sheet here, so I'll tell you. And that's literally all I fucking get. It's still pretty shit. Like, it's convenient that he's in this box with me when I get that feature, but it's still a shit level. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's a, that's a, that's a pretty rough level 7 feature. Anyone else got any cool shit that happens to them? I get a fourth level spell. Oh, fuck! Yeah. Oh, fuck! But I don't know what to take. Oh, let me pull him up. Take a good one. Oh, thanks, dude. Yeah, please. <laughs> <laughs> Banishment, Blight, Confusion, Dimension Door, Dominate Beast. That sounds like <laughs> <just> like <laughs> crafted on Mars. <laughs> <laughs> ice Storm. Oh, Ice Storm, because you got that, um, you got that plus to cold damage. You got Polymorph as well now, hey? Polymorph's a possibility. Oh, Polymorph is fun. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. Transforms a creature you can see within range into a new form. Uh, the transformation lasts for the duration. It could be like any creature. You transform a creature into any creature. Like you can turn someone into like a, a sheep or something. Oh. Uh, yeah. Surely there are limitations. So then they're like out of combat. Transforms that a creature. Sounds pretty good. Uh, yeah, within range into a new form. An unwilling creature must make a wisdom saving throw to avoid the effect. Your spell has no effect on a shape changer or a creature with zero hit points. The transformation lasts for the duration or until the target drops to zero hit points and dies. The new form can be any beast whose challenge rating is equal to or less than the target's uh, or the target's level if it doesn't have a challenge rating. So you could turn Duncan into like a bear or something. That, like, I mean, more than a bear because he's surely bigger than like challenge rating one, right? Like you could probably do like a bunch of cool stuff. Yeah, like anything up to challenge rating seven or any, any beast. So it's just animals. It's not really anything else. Yeah, but ch challenge rating seven is huge, though, dude. You could become a giant ape. You can turn him into a giant ape. Uh, I mean, that's amazing. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to actually play a, a character a for this story, Jackson. I mean, a giant ape is huge and like very powerful. Yeah, I'm trying to. I'm trying to do something that isn't me, Jackson. Come on. What about banishment? Banishment's fun. Probably any of these level four spells are gonna be fun, man. What about blight? If Ooh. they fail a con saving throw, they take. 8d8 necrotic damage. Blight is Oh, Blight is great, powerful. actually. Blight yeah, really that's rules. really good. I'm going to take Blight. That's a necromantic spell. Yeah. Oh my god. Which is a little bit of interesting flavour for, for Miguel Drazzy here. What does SMH stand for? Shaking, Shaking my, my head. head. Oh. He's getting a text from a girl on Tinder. He's tuned out. He's got SMH. <laughs> Go on, Jacko. What happens to Jody at level 7? Uh, so Jody gets two little features. First one is called Stillness of Mind. So starting at 7th level, you can use your action to end one effect on yourself that is causing you to be charmed or frightened. Oh, that's pretty sweet. Uh, which is pretty neat. And then one that I've actually been looking forward to for a long time now is called Evasion. Oh, boy. At 7th level, your instinctive agility, which Jody's all about, uh, lets you dodge out of the way of certain area effects, such as a blue dragon's lightning breath or a fireball spell. When you are subjected to an effect that allows you to make a dexterity saving throw to take only half damage, you instead take no damage. If you succeed on the saving throw, and only half damage if you fail. Yeah, yeah, nice. That's very, very good. So, if I turn against you... <laughs> yeah, you're only half as effective yeah. against the Jodas. Yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, a sword is still a sword. 
<laughs> hey, how many hit points does everyone have as maximum? We know Duncan's got the sex number. <laughs> I got 50. Fuck me, yeah. that's so many. I know. Uh, 58 for Jabal. Oh man, you're a, a bunch of beefy... I've had max on nearly every roll. That's like, true, you've been getting one. a lot of sixes. And yeah, this was, what was this, a four yeah. chat this time? Yeah, nice. Alright, so you guys have all successfully leveled up and you're sitting on the road. T, do I assume the first thing you want to do after you're kind of trundling along in silence here is size up your boy Marcus sitting yep. there opposite you? Yeah. Alright, after a couple of minutes of uh, peering up and down at his uh, lithe half-elf frame... You would probably conclude. Yeah, I'm better at telling whether he's hot or not. Yeah. We can tell exactly how strong so, he is. What, what do I have to tell you? So, just to be clear, you don't actually want to speak to him yet. You just want to. Yeah, yeah I spent four mean minutes. Mean <laughs> Four minutes isn't that long. I'm just letting, getting away from the woods where the guards might hear us. Uh huh. So, I hear you have a, these exact stats. <laughs> tell me more. <laughs> all right, so, so what, what am basically, I basically, I, all I get to know is whether they're higher or lower than mine. Okay. The DM tells you if the creature is your equal, superior, or inferior in regard to... All of these different shits. Strength, dex, con, AC, current HP, total class levels of any, fighter class levels of any. Well, what's your AC? Um, 18. So, really, 18? Yeah. Oh, he's got full plate. Yeah, uh, inferior. His AC, he's wearing leather armor, he's carrying a shield and a sword. Hit points, current? Yields are 69. Inferior, less hit points. Uh, total level. So this is just like an ego trip. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> total, total level. Inferior. Fighter level. Inferior. Strength. What's your strength? Sixteen. Inferior. Your dexterity. Fourteen. Superior. Mm. Constitution. Oh. Sixteen. Uh, inferior. Do you know about the other stuff? Wisdom, intelligence. No, that's all I know. So, guys, I can confidently report that I am better than Marcus in every way, apart from how bendy he is. It's true. He's got a lot of uh, agility. And speed. Interesting. So my money is this boy is either some sort of like light weapon fighter or an archer of some kind. Well, he's wearing leather armor and a shield and a sword. He's That's also fair. got a short bow on his back. Oh, he's versatile. Mm. He's probably a little bit average. Although my dex is 14, so he he has decent dex. Are you saying this in the carriage with him? Yeah, he's just staring at him like, I'm just like... Oh, you got pretty decent dexterity, don't you? Yeah, I bet you're pretty bloody quick. Yeah, guys, it's a little bit average. Bend. I bet you're pretty average, except you're nice and bendy. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, after a little while on the road, you guys probably haven't really exchanged many words with Marcus so far. Like, he was brought into the basement, you were sort of quickly all sort of ushered into this wagon, you were all kind of helping each other, loading these ale barrels up and then getting into this thing together. Probably very few words have been exchanged. And, and Marcus says, Well, I suppose uh, introductions are in order. My name's Marcus. And he looks around at the three of you. Yeah, we know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, well, I'm, <clears throat> if I don't uh, miss the intel I was given, then uh, you're Drazilia, Duncan and Jody. So uh, two can play at that game, Miss I Know Your Name. <laughs> Drazilia's still, like, staring at him with a, a quizzical mm. expression, just... Trying not, to decide not. if he's <laughs> handsome or not? Yeah, okay. <laughs> what gave you that impression? Your names. Uh, Hasselback, when he, he told me to come, you know, go join Garrick at Carthus and, uh, hopefully meet up with you guys, and here we are. How'd you come to meet Hasselback? Well, uh, I was... I was wandering for a while, and, uh, I heard, talking to some people I met on the road, that there was a sort of refugee camp of sorts in the Ashwood, and uh, spent a little while wandering, looking for it, following up any leads I could find, and then eventually I found the place. Why were you wandering before that? I'd, uh, well, I'll be honest with you, I I was in the King's Army on the front lines, and I, I fled my post, and, uh... Why? We came under heavy assault, I saw the rest of my squad get cut down and shot down around me, and if I'll be honest, I wasn't too stoked on uh, the whole thing in the first place, so... Why not? I ran. Oh, well, I was working for this guy, and, uh, he... he had some methods I didn't agree with, and, uh, he was into something weird. There were... we were tasked with trying to figure out how the League kept getting operational advantages. They, they seemed to be able to outmaneuver us everywhere we went around the front lines. And uh, we were trying to sort of gather some up, you know, take some hostages, try and, try and figure out how they were doing it. And uh, the commander, he kept meeting with these weird people, these, these really skinny, weird-looking uh, 
guys and girls all in black robes and black armour would come in and out of our camps at night and uh, I just didn't... The whole thing gave me a bad vibe. When, when my platoon started getting cut down around me, I, I took the opportunity and I, I ran away. How long's it been since you left your post? Two, three weeks. And where were you when you left? We were on the front lines. Uh, so for your context, Tunkan, you probably know, and you guys would know as well, to the east of the Ashwood, the Ashwood kind of gives way to, to sort of fields and plains on the eastern side of it, similar to on the western side of it. But these fields and plains sort of also are like a little less lush. They're a little less forgiving, a little less fertile. They're a lot rockier. That's basically where most of the front line is. Like, that's where the Eastern League's armies are fighting against the armies of the king. What, what, what more specifics do you want to Like, know, whether like where on the front line was he? So they were sort of, like, closer to enemy territory. Quite deep in enemy lines. And uh, trying to sort of gather up these hostages, as he said, and interrogate them for information. Any more specific cues from um, the boy? It's like, it's like north and south. It'd be east. He'd probably roughly, like, Maybe equatorial. Like, Maybe a little bit north. Yeah. So... What business do you have in Carthus City? Surely that's a pretty dangerous place for a deserter. Well, look, I, uh, I just left because I was afraid and I didn't like what was going on. And when I got to Sanctuary, Hasselback convinced me that because I had some sort of knowledge of troop placements and uh, the sort of clandestine intelligence being gathered by the King's army and uh, some mysterious stuff we'd seen... Uh, I might be of use. I mean, he was particularly interested in my descriptions of the people wearing black armour and black clothing and uh, my commander and the, the sorts of things that are... Uh, well, I didn't know much, but I, I heard rumour that he was finding out from his hostages. They thought that uh, you lot and Garrick and whoever you're working with in Carthus might want that information, so he convinced me to come and, and help as much as I could. Sorry, you... I've just been distracted <laughs> by the DM screen that I have in front of me, the official wizard's DM screen. It's got a fucking typo on it. It says under NPC ideals, live and let live, Lutral. I assume neutral. neutral, but it says Lutral. No, live and let live is the motto of anybody who plays the loot. I prefer live and let die myself. <laughs> oh, dude, nice. Um, I, I think Jody turns to him and is just like, are you familiar with... Um, a group called The Hand. Have you heard anything about this group? Yeah. As far as I understand, The Hand is kind of an umbrella term for the sort of different groups within uh, the King's elite forces. It's, it's kind of like there's The Hand and then The Hand has many fingers. The fingers are all sort of other different groups and uh, they're, they're all run by different commanders and they I, I suspect that my leader was, was one of them and he was uh, liaising with them with some of the uh, information he was recovering. Are there um, any more than five or four fingers and a thumb, I suppose? Or is it just a very poorly constructed name for the group? He says, <laughs> he says I don't know about poorly constructed, but uh, <laughs> I don't know about the exact number. I, I expect there are a deal more than five. I see. What did you learn about the capabilities of the Eastern League? He kind of gathers himself for a minute. This is obviously hard for him to talk about. He says, look, as I said, I wasn't exactly privy to all of the information that my commander recovered, but we heard rumours. You know, you'd hear things around the camp, and some people were saying that they'd figured out a way to teleport. That was the only way they could outmaneuver us. They seemed to have some kind of magic that we don't understand, which is surprising because typically the League don't go in for that kind of stuff. They're more into their machines and their tactics and their advanced weaponry. But uh, they seem to have figured something out, able to, to mass transport large groups of troops and get the jump on us. Did you ever hear any chatter about something called the Cine? Oh, look, you know, childhood stories, but uh, nothing in relation to all of this. Yeah, just for what it's worth in terms of I guess where Jody's at. Hasselback has sent him. He knows we're going to Carthus. He knows our names. There's almost... There's not really much more we can tell him that I think jeopardizes us. Just in case that... If anyone else has anything else worth bringing up. What do you mean? Sorry? I, I don't think he's saying, like, just, like, tell him everything we know and see, see what's up. But just, like, he already knows so much about us at this point that we've sort of reached... Does that make sense in terms of, like, how much he already knows he's already such a liability? Yeah, I mean, yeah, so I, I, I would go as far as to say, like, you intuit at least that Hasselback trusted this guy, and also, to be fair, Hasselback didn't necessarily know 
you didn't really tell him a lot. And so he didn't necessarily, yeah. he just thought like, oh, this is probably related to what you guys are all interested in and sent him out after you. To Could I um, of course, of course. roll insight to see if he's hiding anything? Please. Also to see if he's handsome. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. I'm also going to roll insight. Yep. It's a six. Mine's a nine. Uh-huh. And you are you going to roll insight I'll roll insight as well. Please. Can you yeah. tell me if he's handsome? Not with a six. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's dirty. <laughs> <laughs> Was it? Uh, was it inside? Yeah, uh, that'd be fifteen. Okay, with a fifteen, uh, you you believe his story that he was running in fear, and you believe his story that he didn't necessarily know much. Um, guys, my dice bag makes such oh. a nice little glove. <laughs> yeah, that is a nice. Can glove, you do a man. character with that? Hello, me name's Glovey. I'm here to tell you about the cine. You have to you have to tweet that to Jackson. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I'll, I'll I'll send you a picture of my glove hand, Jacko, so you can feel included. Oh, please do. We're in no hurry, I think, to share information with this guy. Maybe we just wait and see what transpires. Yeah, cool. He's reasonably forthcoming with information. So uh, are we to assume Duncan doesn't reveal his connection to this former group that this guy's a part of? Certainly not. Okay, that's interesting. No, So no, no more questions from Duncan about this stuff? I might leave it for now. Okay. I'm going to try and play it cool. Try and play it cool. I think Jody turns to him and is like, so, um, I noticed that you are carrying both a, um, melee weapon and a, a bow. Are you, what do you, what's your sort of particular persuasion in a, a, a more combat sense? Are you some sort of a terrific archer? Are you, what's your, what's your vibe? After a brief chuckle, he says, uh, I don't know about terrific in any of those things, but, uh, I'm all right with a bow and I'm all right with the sea sword and, uh, I can handle myself. So you don't subscribe to the min-max theory? <laughs> he says, uh, this sword, and he holds it up, and you would note that it is actually a very light, delicate sword. It's actually uh, more of a dexterity kind of thing. Hang on, did this NPC just metagame me? Yeah, he did. <laughs> <laughs> because you were talking to him about his dexterity before. You were Why did I spoke about to him about his dexterity? That, yeah. was, okay. that was all um, in my head. Yeah, I think with that response, I think Jody like sort of like smiles and is like, <laughs> nice, but is like, kind of visibly like a little bit disappointed what was he hoping for i don't know like this guy would be like i'm actually really fucking good at this one thing instead of being like oh you know me i'm a bit okay at a number of little things oh no i'm just uh, bloody joe blogs rolling around the countryside why is everyone cockney this episode Hey everyone, it's me, your friendly dungeon master, just checking in in the middle of the show. Thanks for listening to chapter 20. Isn't it crazy that this is chapter 20? We've had so much fun making the show so far, and we can't thank you enough for listening, giving feedback, sharing the show, and honestly giving us reasons to keep making the thing seriously. Thank you from all of us. Instead of a shout-out, I'd like to draw your attention to the fact that there are actually two new things in the feed feed this week. In addition to this episode, we've just put up a recap of chapters 1 to 19. Hopefully this is interesting for you if you're a long-time listener. I know the party was certainly reminded of a few important things in the process of making it, but we're also hoping that this can make a really good jumping-on point for new listeners. We know a 19-hour backlog can be intimidating, so we wanted to make something that could help people catch up with the story and jump into the new content right away. So, we've got a favour to ask. This is really the best time ever for you to be sharing the show and helping us grow, so if you know anyone you think would like it, think about sending the recap their way and let them know that there's new stuff for them to listen to right now. Anyway, I won't take up any more of your time. Thanks as always for listening, it really does mean the world to us. Enjoy the rest of the show. He actually sounds uh, considerably more like this, you know. I actually really like this voice for this character, I'm pretty, pretty fond of how it came out. He's you like, weren't doing yeah, that comedy yeah, before. It's like this. He's uh, heavily inspired <laughs> by a friend of mine from school. <laughs> so nice. at the end of this first day, sort of towards the end of this day, you find yourself sort of rolling into a town and uh, Trinda slides back a little panel between the sort of uh, cab compartment that she's in and the sort of hidden compartment or the, the back compartment that you guys hang out in and says, oh, we're coming into town now. Might be a good idea for you to head on into the little hidden section. Uh, this is Crossroads ahead. You guys, I assume, all pile into that little hidden section. Because once you'd been sufficiently out of the woods, they'd like opened up into the larger back section for you guys to hang out in. I did not realize that. Yeah. I thought we were in... You saw the armpits? <laughs> yeah. Gross. Oh, I'm gross. That's yeah. great. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I just ask, Benno, comp- comparative to the map, how far through are we at this point? From, you're, you're pulling into, from Forest Edge, you're pulling into Crossroads. So that that's about a day. It's going to be like a three and a half-ish day journey. Oh, cool. Yeah. Great, great, great. Cool. So you're, you're pulling into Crossroads, and uh, Trinda 
stops the the wagon. You can hear this sort of like, you know, a semi-busy, bustling town outside. You and Chuji might be pulled up next to an inn. Trinda says, I'm just going to have to go deliver this ale. Uh, I'll be gone. I won't be too long. Uh, maybe you guys should just hang out in the little hidden compartment there till I get back. You hear the back wooden panel open. You hear the little hand cart trundling along as it picks up a barrel of ale. And she disappears. And you guys are in there for a little while, probably something like 15, 20 minutes. And then she returns, uh, gets in the front section, and and starts driving out of town without saying anything to you. She keeps going for a little bit, and it's getting later and later. I peek open the hatch into the driving door. She slams it shut as soon as you open it, and keeps driving for a little bit. After maybe like- Do I see her when I open it? Yeah, she's in there. Okay. And after like a couple more hours of trundling along, she pulls over sort of to the side of the King's Road, and, and then like whispers to the back panel like, Okay, guys, I I have some bad news. Uh, when I was in Crossroads back there, there were wanted posters with your faces and and, and another guy called Garrick uh, all over the place. Your names and faces are on display. So uh, I figured best not to stay in the town for the night and uh, best to just get out of there as quickly as possible. We, we should be safe here, so I'm going to suggest you guys hang out in the back there and uh, I'll sleep up front here and we'll move on in the morning. And does that sound agreeable to you all? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So you guys can take your long rest. Should we change our hair or something? I'm growing mine out as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Funny I had a growing growing Yeah, actually, that, that's something. Um, can we ask her like what? Like, does she was she able to like take any of the wanted posters, or does she have an idea of what we looked like in the posters? You would have looked like your current selves. Short hair, Duncan. Not Jody okay. in the Jody. Not in his um, Peter Allen getup. Jody okay. in his old monk robes. Jazzy without her floppy without hat. Without a hat. Jazzy okay. with no floppy hat. <laughs> Good. <laughs> so this is your first evening on which you camp out. And the next day you get on the road again. On the road again. And you're trundling along through the cart. And uh, do any of you have anything that you would like to do? Or shall I get to my next little piece? When she kept driving, are we, are we like just heading, according to the map, just like the straight road to Carthus? Yep, the King's Road, straight along onto other city. So are we sort of like, is it Corin? Is that the next place? or Corin will be the next main town. And that is, you, you know, that is where the inn that Garrick was talking about in the village just outside Carthus is. The, the watchful yeah, protector. Cool. That's so are we, are we like, oh. say, according to the map, are we like halfway between uh, Corin and Crossroads at this point? No. It's Corin. You, you're just a little bit outside of Crossroads Corin. at the start of the second day. Right. Okay. So you're trundling along and you're, you're heading sort of west along the King's Road and uh, sort of midway through this day, you feel something. You feel a magical presence that you haven't felt in a while. As Valeria's notebook. I pull out the notebook. <laughs> Jazzy pulls out the notebook. and I, uh, I put a hand on the notebook and stare at her like, hmm? I say. Uh, and in fact, I'm like, please don't make me listen to any more of these fairy tales. Oh, nice. Roll a deception check for me, Duncan. 14. World's greatest actor, Duncan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, shit. Okay. So what do you guys do? Like, How much room do we have back here? Enough for, like, in terms of width, enough for the four of you to stand shoulder to shoulder. Uh, that's like the width of the cart. And in terms of depth, like, maybe three feet. A meter? Are we out of the little bit? If you want to be. If you're in the back of the cart as you're travelling along through the day, then you've got considerably more space. Maybe three metres. I wouldn't mind being next to Marcus and then just, like, as as this whole book thing's happening, just sort of turning to him and be like, uh, excuse me, friend, do you mind if I, um... I have some isometric exercises I like to do just to keep my body uh, limber and that sort of thing. Do you mind if I uh, sort of like just kind of stretch out and engage the muscle? In, in fact, you are um, a similarly uh, nimble man. You could join me in these exercises if you like. They're, they're very good for um, maintaining uh, peak fitness, I suppose. He uh, kind of looks at you with a curious expression on his face and says, uh, Yeah, all right. I guess uh have been cooped up in here for a little while now. Uh, take me through your stretches, mate. <laughs> Okay, well, uh, primarily we're going to start with just uh, hands to both sides of yeah, this... Yeah, and, uh, and the, the volume fades down on this yoga session. <laughs> and uh, now we're over with, with uh, Drasilia and Duncan with the book. So have you stepped out into the big space or were we all in the big space? I, I'm, I'm imagining we're in like the, the, the cooped up sort of space, but where that's, that's the whole point of the isometric exercise is that we're, you know, uh, using the walls to our advantage. Oh, yeah, exactly. Oh, oh like okay. to, okay. Wow. What a, wow. That's, <laughs> so you took him into the little, the enclosure. little room. 
Yeah, to do their isometric yeah. exercises. Ah. All right. As you flip open the book, you flip it open to a map page. Uh, the map page that had the sort of rough indications of different locations that they thought the temples of life and knowledge might be inside the Ashwood. And you would see quite a few sort of large circles. You see, like, there's stuff kind of highlighted around this lake and down to the coast. And, like, question marks in some locations more specifically marked. You see, if you keep flipping through the book, a page labeled Temple of Sea. Translation for sea, not necessarily correct. Could be a body of water. Sailors and fishers might be a good resource resource here. Make sure to ask Alyssa Brambles at Hanelport. That's the entry for Temple of Sea. And so the stuff that's like marked out on the map is kind of around the lake in the Carwood. And the and river. along the river all the way down to the southern coast. Yep. Should we go check it out? I think we have to keep going, don't we? Aren't we like on a schedule? I mean... You could get out and leave the cart, but Trinda's not going to. Yeah. She's trucking on. Right. We probably need to meet up with Garrick first. Perhaps we meet Garrick in uh, Colin and then um, double back. Jody, you're not here. Fuck off. <laughs> Jody, you're not there. You're doing isometric exercises, buddy. <laughs> All right. Well, it's a good suggestion. If you've got <laughs> Need a good suggestion. Hey, don't you have don't you like, don't you have a don't you have a charge on your sending stone? We'd have to send to him. Yeah, but good good luck getting Druzzy to burn it though. Yeah, you're like crushing all of that into 25 words. Should we show it to Jody? He is a sailor, after all. (laughs) What? That didn't even occur to me. (laughs) (laughs) Is Is Druzzy actually aware of that? Yeah, you said it. Yeah. Uh, like recently, when you guys all got out of the web, and he was oh, like, true, 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 "Oh, yeah, I used to be a sailor. I'm a sailor. I can read the oh, stars." Oh, your navigation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You and your star signs. Yeah, exactly. So Jody's a little bit of a navigator. He's a little Don't bit of a Gemini, you know. Why Gemini? Two sides. No, I got it. I got it. All right. Oh, right. I don't Horace even know which one is Gemini. Which. Two sides. You better cough everything two times, Jody. That's two coops, two chains, two <laughs> sea notes. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say, like, you can finish up your asymmetric exercises and, like, it's not hard for you to just surreptitiously pass Jody the notebook. Like, you're yeah. not all hanging out in a big circle all day. You could really just read it one after another. Do you, did you do that? You pass Jody the book? Yep. All right. Sometime later, Jody finds himself up to speed on that information. An average an average amount of time. You know, like, I mean, slightly less than average, but, you know, like, he can read <laughs> you know. <laughs> Alright, so, so Jody finds himself up to date on that information. And Jacko, this is something we, we discussed very briefly off mic, where I was asking you, like, I, I think Jody knows the name Alyssa Brambles from his time as I a think sailor. He does as well. A sailor around Hanelport. Yeah. Um, Alyssa Brambles, for Jody's reference and the, the listener's reference, was a researcher, uh, but kind of like a marine biology type researcher, <laughs> uh, particularly interested in, like, history and biology of like civilizations along the coast uh and she would occasionally sort of charter the sort of sailing and fishing boats that jody had worked on to sort of take her out and look around and and, you know whether or not like jody had specifically been on a boat with her before she's like a well-known name in the sort of sailor community around hanelport so i think jody probably knows who she is yeah, I, I, I think so as well, definitely. I, I, I think he probably make, makes a, a, a point of that when he, like, sort of, like, pops out and, like, has a chance to speak to the other two. Yeah. And he's just kind of like, um, the, the lady here, Miss Brambles, that um, Valeria mentions, um, I used to, I don't know her um, uh, particularly well, but uh, from my past, we, there were some dealings um, where uh, companies I worked for uh, worked through Miss Brambles. Could you put us in contact with her? There are wanted posters for us <laughs> around the around the joint, and uh, it's been a number of years. So I potentially, if we were down in Hanelport, I could speak around at the docks and see if I uh, if anyone remembers and find some information. Potentially get in touch, yes. But this it's not like I have a um have her on. Uh, you don't have her on I, sending I, stone. I felt, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say speed dial, but that doesn't feel appropriate. Um, um, yeah. Hey, tell me Is a bit. Speed dial. Like a sundial that is terribly inaccurate. Correct. Yeah, it's very fast. It goes at double. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it, it's a magical sundial that speeds up the distance of the shadow. Do you still have any contacts in this marine biology world? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I should be specific. I, I mostly worked as a, uh, as like a run of the mill sailor on a variety of different boats. I haven't been back to Hanelport in about three years. And there's a war going on. I left because of that. And so it's 
it would be hard for me to know whether I actually have contacts there or not. What do you mean you left because of the war? Because I, I predominantly worked on, on merchant ships and uh, in commerce, and the war slowly but surely involved more of that trade, I guess. Some, some of the ships were commissioned for war. The, la- the last ship I worked on was actually attacked, and I, I woke up in the wreck alone. Who attacked you? We, um, I don't know, there was, it was an, uh, an onslaught, I guess. Um, I actually, <laughs> I, I was actually knocked unconscious relatively early into the fight. A little Tyrion Lannister vibes. Being, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, embarrassing as that was, though, potentially that is the thing that saved my life, so. Maybe it was just the gods helping you save, uh, memory and budget space for the battles to come. P- potentially. I lost a lot of friends on that show, but um, I'm, I'm happy for you to to make some uh, funny, very good jokes, uh, I would say. Um, Shall we press on? Yes. So that's the end of uh, the end of the second day of travelling. Does anyone have anything that they want to do? Any interjections? Any, any actions they want to take? <laughs> I'm not going to... I'm not gonna roll for handsomeness again. Uh, <laughs> You've already done it twice. <laughs> it's too much. Yeah, I can tell you that I'm stronger, <laughs> and I've got a better constitution. What do you think is the stat for fuck power? Which one do you think is most relevant? I mean, I think it's definitely strength and constitution. Yeah. I can dex and con. A dexterity, look, dude. Look, 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 look. In my <laughs> look, in my experience. <laughs> It's handy for one party to have a dex bonus. <laughs> but you don't need both parties to have a dex bonus. Uh, yeah, I, I Particularly when there's strength and constitution in the mix. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Oh, God. And a little bit of wisdom. That's the real... <laughs> Surely charisma plays high. Charisma is how you get the fuck. Wisdom is how you fuck. So it all goes out the window the moment it commences with T. T becomes a blank slate of raw fuck power. He says nothing. He doesn't emote. Mechanical and perfunctory is how you would describe it. Oh, none of these things are what I mean. Alright, so you guys, you guys bed down for the night. In the next day, you proceed further along the road. You get a message from Garrick reasonably early in the day that says... Have been at Watchful Protector for a while. Taken rooms. What's your ETA? All quiet here. How goes the trip? We should be there in... A day and a half. A day and a half. Wanted posters? Wanted posters are everywhere. Young soldier run away with us. Are there posters in Corinth? Screw Flanders. (laughs) A nice little throwback. (laughs) Uh... Just like me. Are you a throwback? What do you what mean? What do you mean? I'm a throwback to a simpler time. <laughs> <laughs> like the, the, the pre-Weinstein time? Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I've never been more offended in my life! <laughs> nice. Fuck, that was lethal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It's steaming up in here. I'm taking uh, my headphones out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Garrick responds, young soldier, interesting. Um, Hasselback must trust him. <laughs> Not everything's about fucking, you fucking animals. <laughs> um, wanted posters present in Koren 2. No troubles so far, travelling alone. See you soon. And you proceed along throughout the day, and unless there's anything that you guys would like, I'm going to jump sort of towards the end of this day, if that works for you. And you're getting sort of, you're probably going to like camp for the night and then the next day you're going to drive the rest of the way into Curran and it's not going to take you all day. If you look at the map again, so you're you're quite close to like the southern tip of the old wood, like the southernmost point of it. And uh, a couple of things happen. So probably when you you pull up for the night, being that you're now quite close to the southern tip of the old wood, the notebook has some magical motions again. You can all feel it. What do you think you do? Uh, sorry guys, I just have to... uh read a fairy tale before I can go to sleep at night. <laughs> Marcus says, that's strange, I haven't seen you do that the previous nights, but uh, to each sleep, their Marcus. own. <laughs> She's just staring at him while he's <laughs> trying to decide if he's good looking or not. 
Edward uh. Cullen of Adventure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a fucking reference tee. Edward yeah, Cullen? Dude, I Jesus. Love that. Yeah, I'm, I'm more of a Team Jacob boy myself. Uh, I've told the story on this podcast before about how I've seen precisely one of the Twilight movies, right? And how it was the second Twilight movie. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, I've only seen the second one. I went with my high school girlfriend. I've seen the first one. I don't know if I've seen it. Dude, those. between us, we've seen... How many are there? Half of them? Are there four? I think there might be five. Grace, it... don't pretend you don't know. No, I don't. Are I've seen the a... first three. So do you read the book, Jazzy? Twilight? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, uh... I do. I tuck in my sleeping bag and I flick it open. Okay, my okay. Headlamp. You see, there's not a new page entry, but there are some more markings on the map. And the markings are basically a few more sort of circled points of interest in the old wood to the north. There's like a few sort of sort of buried deep in the old wood, like quite close to the center. Do any of these circles look like they might be places that I have been before? Well, I don't know if you want this to become information for the other party members, but I will say Drazilia's hometown is in this sort of off the road section of the old wood. Interesting. I am. Um... I think I <laughs> say, hey, Duncan, are you sure you don't want a, a, a bedtime story? <laughs> Does it have any of the themes like the stories I grew up with as a child? What, like what? Tales no, of Duncan? Really. Yeah. <laughs> Halloween and Christmas story? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a Santa robot, I guess. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a robot? Not in your version, but in, in this story. Futurama is what Yeah, it's a Futurama <laughs> record. I'm thinking of the robot reindeer. Oh, yeah, the yeah. robot reindeer that Big Snarto oh. had. Oh, I forgot about that. Oh, fuck, yeah. Good True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I think maybe Jody goes to uh, Marcus and is like, perhaps we should um, give these two a little privacy. If you <laughs> catch my meaning. More stretches before bed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like, ushers him into, like, into, into the back area and he's just like, Limbering up for more isometric <laughs> So yeah, D- Duncan can, can see the book as well. I'm going to say the markings, the relevant markings on the on the map are sort of... There's two roads that are marked on the map on the old wood. If you guys go to QNetwork.com slash news, you can see the map. It's currently the top post, but if it's not anymore, just scroll down. You can see, yeah, sort of in between the sort of road... Yeah, I mean, there's only two roads in the King's Road. In between those two roads, there's like a few circled locations. And kind of, yeah, around that area is where Drazilia would know her hometown is. So I say... There's a few more spots circled. Uh, do you recognise any of these areas? I'm not really familiar with the old wood. Well, I guess uh, something to keep in the back of our minds then. Cool. Duncan rolls insight to see whether or not it seems like Drasilia is keeping anything from it. Why would you suspect? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to find out if he suspects. Because yeah, that's this what is the not, rolls. I'm not, this is like, like, Duncan is not like, insight powers activate. This yeah. is me as a player rolling insight okay. yeah, to, to see, see whether or not you suspect Duncan anything. 11. I want that contested by a deception roll from Drasilia. Oh. Uh, yeah, it's only a 10. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say those Ooh. rolls are very close together, but find out for part that Duncan maybe gets a slight inkling that something's up. Do you know anything about the old one? No. Am I part of town? Okay. I'm going to say Duncan is a little bit sus, but not. He's not like. Where? She's lying to me. He's kind of like, this is a little weird. Where is your. Part of town. I was only two days out of home when I met you boys in the Ashwood. Nice. Using those same deception and insight checks, uh, I'm going to say Duncan, he's not sure if he believes that. He doesn't buy it whole cloth. Maybe he intuits that she's just a private person. So after you guys consult that book, I guess you sort of get ready to, to bed down for the night. As you're going to sleep, Drasilia has a vision. <gasps> in this vision, Drasilia feels like she's standing in some woods and she's watching something and although she's like in a physical place she doesn't actually feel like she's physically there it's more like an astral projection type thing and as you're standing in the woods you see a slender robed figure walking through the woods in your direction and you can't put your finger on how but it all feels familiar not just the figure in the robes but the woods themselves seem familiar too but somehow slightly wrong You can feel something radiating off the figure. 
It's a sense of caution and wariness. They have something very valuable with them, and while they aren't exactly afraid, they're far too powerful for that, they're certainly on alert. The figure fiddles with the chain around their neck as they walk, and they're looking down, so you can't see their face underneath the robe at first, but they take a few steps and draw level with where you're kind of standing in the trees, and then they stop, and they turn, and look quizzically in the area that you're standing, and their eyes don't focus on you, but they peer around in, in the location that you're occupying, and then sort of narrow their eyes, turn back the direction they were walking, and move on. And as the figure turned towards you, you could see her face dappled in moonlight. A striking elf woman was looking back at you, not someone you've seen before, her keen, clever eyes searching the woods nearby. And there was something else in the eyes as well. A deep sadness, a longing for what might have been. And then it's over. Whoa. So, after that dream, do you think Drasilia relates any of that to her, her pals? No, I don't think so. Not at first? Not straight no. away? Yeah. Not for now. Cool. Do you have any, any questions about anything that you saw there? Um, did the chain mean anything to me? You couldn't see the chain. You could see them kind of fiddling with something under their robe, which right. you intuit was a necklace. I want to I stress that, like, whilst in this dream space, sort of a lot of that stuff that you were intuiting about that character, like, you wouldn't have been able to f- sort of feel that if you were just physically there. It was like right. you, you could feel like you were kind of tapped into something in some way. And the wood is familiar, but I can't figure out where I've seen it before. Well, I would say it seems familiar, maybe like woods you might know as home, but it was also not quite right. Like it was, it seemed like, it seemed like the place that you sort of have come from, but not, not quite the same. On the fourth and final day of your journey, the wagon makes good time on the road into Curran. It's about midday now, and you're about an hour away from the end of your travels, and from reuniting with Garrick in the inn, the watchful protector. You're all excited at the prospect of getting out of the back of the wagon and stretching your legs, and you can almost taste a crisp ale on your tongue when you get a message on your sending stone. I think I've been made. Someone looking at me funny. They haven't made any moves yet. A woman in grey linen. How to Win Loot and Influence Dragons is a production of the Curio Network and hosted by Thomas Owen, Grace Chappell, Ben McAllister, and Jackson Newsett. Editing by Ben McAllister. You can find details of all the music in the show notes. We've got other content on Curio, such as Odds and Ends, where Grace talks with people about the mementos they've kept and the stories behind them, or Still Interested, where we look at film and TV that has been rebooted or remade and try to figure out why they thought it was a good idea. Check it all out at curionetwork.com. Please, sir, I want some more. My name's Oliver Twist. Not many people know that. (laughs) (laughs) Is Michael Caine as Oliver Twist? Yeah, he was a very poor Michael Caine, but a very good Oliver Twist. (laughs) So if we start with Michael Caine. My name's Michael Caine. Then we want to make him sound more like a little boy. (laughs) My name's Oliver Twist. Not many people know that. Cheer yourself. Oh, fuck off. Oh, I, I love this inside the actor studio, dude. It's very good. Yeah. None of this is going to make the cut because the thing that, like, to kick it all off was me pouring you a glass of water. You can keep that. Maybe I'll see how funny Just it is. Just put it after the uh, credit. Yeah, post the credit sequence. <laughs>